News. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Dwayne Kaiser in the studio. Uh, we had him come in to talk about um, his work as a hospital chaplain at Avera McKinnon Hospital. He's been doing that a couple of years and was a parish priest before that. So we want to hear his experiences and what it's like to be a hospital chaplain. Um, I know Father Kaiser, but I've never done an interview with him, and it was really, really good. I hope you'll stick around for it because he's funny unexpectedly. He's very interesting, insightful, so please stick around for that. First, we have Dr. Chris, Chris, Chris uh, Bergwald. What'd you say? I, that's not Chris. Right. Oh, yeah. Not, no, not him. No T at the end. I mean, no, I, I, no, I, I did not. I, I, oh. I endeavor to live in him, but I, I am. <laughs> And I would love for people. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. So we're going to have some biblical bites with Dr. Abby. Great. So I'm hoping to get to, we're going to jump right in. It's the 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time. No time for quizzes. Because okay. I'd like to get to, two, I want to do two points okay. if we have time. Okay. The first, um, the first point is from the first reading at Mass, which is from the second book of Kings. A little bit of context here. It's about Elisha. Elisha is the successor of Elijah, the prophet. I hear that sometimes pronounced Elisha. Yeah, I know. Is that and different? Yeah. Is that a different person or I, is that just a wrong pronunciation? I think it's, I used to say Alicia too. I think I'm pretty sure it's, it's Elisha. Elisha. I think the reason people say, the reason I said Alicia <laughs> to is to, from Elijah. <laughs> yes. But I'm pretty sure it's Elijah and Elisha. Okay. So Elijah was the great prophet of the old Testament. Mm-hmm. Elisha though was an incredible, he, re, he, his, his, Prayer was for a double portion of the spirit that the Lord gave Elijah. Oh. And he did even more miracles. Oh. So he's like the wonder worker sure. of the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, so we read in at Mass, one day Elisha came to Shunem, where there was a woman of influence, and, and we go on from there. So El- Elisha is going, she's, she's, a, she's wealthy, she has influence, um, but she does not have a son. So Elisha says, a year from now, you you will have a son. Okay. But just a quick geography lesson. So Elise, cue the map. So for those of you who are watching, um, just to give a sense of where we're at. So this is a modern map of modern day Israel that we've got on the screen. So you can see Jerusalem in the south. In the north, that's the Sea of Galilee, where it says Tiberias. That's where the Sea of Galilee is. Okay, that's bigger than I thought it was going to be. So that gives you some sort of a, a rough sense um, the lower right, there's that's ten miles. So remember, like, can you see the scale yeah. there? Right okay. Mm-hmm. So w- where Nazareth was and is, uh, and, and Nazareth didn't come until much later than the time of oh, okay. Elisha. Okay. Uh, Nazareth there and Shunem. Just I just want to give you a sense of Shunem where it is. It's in the northern part. It's in Galilee. It's in the. the thank you so much for the wonderful circling <laughs> there, at least. It's in it's in the northern part of the Holy Land. So that's that's suffices for now. So yeah. it's kind of, it's about 11 miles walking distance. It's mountainous terrain a little bit. Bad, not too bad. Um, south, south east of Nazareth. So this is a time when there's, when the northern 10 tribes had um, uh, divided from the southern tribes. So it's time of division. The north, bad stuff is going on. But Elisha promises this woman who has much, but not a son, she will have a son. Okay. Okay. Now this gets. We, we, I do have time, therefore. So I just a little. Thanks, Elise, for the uh, the maps. <laughs> the gospel, though, reminds us of um, the priorities of the gifts that God gives us. So, okay. Elisha uh, um, uh, prophesied that the Lord would, and He did grant this woman a son. But in the gospel um, this Sunday, which is from Matthew chapter ten, Jesus says this to His apostles: Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he goes on from there. And really the connection between the first um, reading of the gospel is in, in the later part. But okay. what I, I want to focus just in the minute or so we have left on these first few verses from the gospel reading today, because Renee, I think we can, we hear them. We've maybe heard them many times and they just kind of skim over the surface. They go in here and one out the other, partly because they're, Okay, well, duh, yes, God's got to be the most important. I know that. But... But we want to pretend that's not really, that we don't have to do that thing that he's just saying. We, I, I think, <laughs> and, and, and related to that, I think it's easy for us to fail to recognize the ways that, oh, maybe I do put my spouse mm-hmm. or my child above God. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think this Sunday's gospel reading um, is a good invitation for us to Check our priorities, literally. Okay, I know I need to put God first. And it's not God or. Right. He's not saying uh, you got to pick me and you got to hate everybody else. It's not that. But do you love um, whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me? He's got to be first in my life. All these other relationships are great gifts to Mm -hmm. us, but he has got to have the primacy. So I think just a good check in the way that I live my life, am I truly prioritizing God as opposed even to spouse or children? Yeah, and remember to offer those back to God as a Amen. Thanks, Dr. You bet. In studio with me today is kind of a new face to Catholic views. We have Father Dwayne Kaiser. Welcome, Father. Thank you very much. Father Kaiser's never been on the on the show, but <laughs> I I actually, um, I know you, of course, from the Chancery, but um, many of my relatives are from Madison. So I have been to Mass when you were there. Okay. Um, once or twice. It's not been a lot, but uh, that's probably the last time I've seen you say Mass. Okay. <laughs> it's been sure. a while. So um, thanks for coming in today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So Father Kaiser is the chaplain at Avera McKinnon Hospital. Been doing that for how long now? Uh, a year. A year. It'll be year July 1st. I was at Sanford before that. That's right. Okay. So you've been at both hospitals. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we wanted you to come in and talk about hospital chaplaincy, um, what it is, what your experience has been. And then if we have time, I want to talk a little bit about your work at, in the Master of Ceremonies realm. I don't know what to call it. As assistant to the Master of Ceremonies, which is usually done in the cathedral most right. of the time, right? Yes. Um, cause there's, I, I feel like I see you do that stuff all the time for ordinations and everything. And I'm like, what is involved with this and how do you get to be that? So, but we'll talk about hospital stuff first, okay. cause I think Sounds a lot good. of people have that experience with priests in hospitals. So can you tell us first, what does a hospital chaplain do? Well, the primary role of a hospital chaplain is to administer the sacraments. Okay. Um, so those sacraments are hearing confession, bringing communion to them although I have uh, extraordinary ministers for that. Mm-hmm. And then also I, I administer the anointing of the sick. Right. You know, people are there for one particular reason. They're not mm-hmm. there for a vacation. Right. <laughs> as much as they would like to. Right. Um, but they're there to be healed. Yeah. And that sacrament is the primary role that I'm there. Right. And secondary anyone, role. Anyone can get that sacrament, right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The secondary role is to listen. Okay. And to see where they're at. And, uh, and and the hardest thing uh, for a priest to do is to put himself aside and not talk about himself oh, yeah. and to listen to the patient. Mm-hmm. And it's been very rewarding for me. Yeah, yeah. 
Was that hard for you at the beginning or is that come naturally to you? And that's why Bishop put you in the spot. <laughs> I think a little bit of both. Okay. You know, we all have that inclination of wanting to tell our story. Yep. Um, but that's one of the things that I had to do is just set myself aside. And I've done that in, in other places as well. Sure. As being a pastor who come, people come into the office and they just start unloading on yes. stuff, you know? And the the first thing that you want to say is, well, I understand because of X, Y, and Z. And, right. You know, that's not what they want. Right. Nor do they want an answer to all of their questions. Yeah. They don't want somebody to stand there and say, well, you should do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is that, that that's, that's not what they want. Right. Because, You're not there to fix the deal. Right, exactly. Because what humbles me most about being a chaplain at the hospital is – I'm entering a person's room. One, they're half naked. You know, they're totally in these <laughs> they're in these flimsy gowns. Vulnerable position. Vulnerable state. They're lying flat on the bed. Their hair is a mess. They're just very vulnerable in every aspect of what they, of who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're allowing me or the priest to come in and to be a part of their life. Right. That's very humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so when Bishop DeGroote asked you to do this a couple of years ago, you started. You said you started out at Sanford. Yes. Um, you were a pastor before that. Was that a big change? And how oh, did you feel about that? It was a huge change. Yeah. Well, first of all, he he asked me, not once, not twice, <laughs> not even three times, but he asked me five times, and oh. I said no five times. Oh my! Okay. Yeah. Like five times within a short amount of time, or was this within over? a few days? Yeah, <laughs> he was and insistent. He knew he was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, the last conversation I had with him is like, I know, you know, Bishop. No, I don't. I just don't feel like that's a fit for me. Right. And we talked for a little while, and eventually I relented. Right. And I said, okay, if you feel that's that's what I need to do, I will rely on the grace of the Holy Spirit to do what I need to do. Right. And the gifts that I need. To in order to fulfill that mission. Right, right. And it has been nothing but rewarding awesome. for the past two years. That's so good to hear that. Yeah. Um, did you have to, um, I mean, I know a diocesan priests uh, uh, have to basically pledge uh, obedience to their bishop. Correct. So I assume that that eventually came in and you're like, work fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes through gritted teeth, I'm sure, as we all do when we are asked to do something maybe aren't super excited about. Yeah, well, you know, it's not blind obedience. Right. You know, right. it's informed obedience. Right. And Bishop doesn't expect blind obedience, I don't believe. No. Uh-uh. At least not in the conversations I've heard from him. Correct. Yeah. No, and I think that's what everybody has to understand is that it's not blind obedience. Right. It's it's uh, obedience to the understanding of you're being enlightened as to why this would be a good fit for you. Right. Right. Because sometimes they see things in us that we don't see in ourselves. Yeah. And I didn't see this in me. Right. But everybody else saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that interesting? I mean, that is like Bishop wants the priest to be in a place where they can succeed. Uh, He says that over and over again. Um, So he did. He saw something. And he must have listened to others who also saw that. I think so. Yeah. 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 Because there are others who surely knew you better than Bishop did in his short time here, especially two years ago. Right. So, so, well, I'm glad you said yes, because it sounds like you're really thriving in that environment. I am. Yes. Yeah. It's very life-giving. Yeah. yeah. It's also mentally exhausting as well. I can imagine. Because you're giving your entire self that yeah. day to yeah. that 
to those to the people that you visit with. Yeah, and you're always on call, always except on for call. yeah. There's one day you're not. You said yes. I have uh, I have little over thirty hours of respite. <laughs> but that that can be taxing. It's very so, taxing. Yeah. yeah. So you don't. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it, and you're doing okay with it. I am. Good. Good. Yes. So can you tell us some of your experiences? And oh without without naming names, so we can protect the innocent. I have a lot of, I have a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of experiences. Okay. Yes, you know one one of the first one that just kind of comes at the top of my head was it was a long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was over at Sanford and I was walking to the tunnel over to Ava's house oh. just to visit with somebody over there, knowing full well that I just needed to touch base mm-hmm. over there. Did not a whole lot of time over there. But just to touch base, and as I was walking back through the tunnel, there's another tunnel that goes over to the heart hospital. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to go connect with this family to see if everybody's there. And the Holy Spirit just said, you need to go. And I almost walked by the tunnel, but I I went in Mm -hmm. and went up to the floor that I was going to go visit with this family. And as I got to that floor, the nurse goes, they looked at me blankly and go, I-, I just paged you. I'm like, looked at my phone and looked at my pager, and I was like, well, okay, I didn't come through, but <laughs> here I am. What's going on? Well, this person just coded, and we want you to go and visit. I said, well, you know, and the first thing I ask is, are they Catholic? And, of course, a lot of times the nurses don't know. I don't know. I said, well, you know, here, I will do this. I said, I need to go connect with this family, and I will come back after – you know, the doctors have finished doing what they're doing because they revived her. Right. And I thought, okay. So I went over to this room, and um, the family was there that I was expecting. I prayed with them, anointed. The lady gave her what we call apostolic pardon and blessing, or a.k.a. Uh, last rites. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just walked out the room, and the nurse declares her dead. Oh, from that, that one you just yes, were with? Yes, that one oh, I was just goodness. with. And I'm okay. like— Oh, okay. So I walked back in, did the prayers of the of, for the dead, uh-huh. and then walked back over to the other side of the hallway and mm-hmm. the other side of the that building, and walked in, and and her sister in law was there, or sister, I don't remember. Anyway, a, a relative of hers mm-hmm. was there, and and I said, so is she Catholic? And she goes, all of her life, a very faith filled Catholic. And I said, okay, would you like to be anointed? Absolutely, Father. Yes, that would just be. Very humbling for yeah. me, and I know that she would like that too. Yeah. So I anointed her and gave her apostolic pardon and blessing. And uh, as soon as I said the final words, you know, of that apostolic pardon and blessing, she died. Goodness. So, so they're waiting. Well, it almost feels like they're yeah, the, waiting. The Holy Spirit was guiding me. Yeah. And if I had not listened, yeah, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That would not have been a grace-filled moment for me. Yeah. You find that happening a lot? Oh, uh, almost in every turn. Wow. So you have to really be attentive to what what the Holy Spirit is telling you yes. all the time. Mm-hmm. So you must feel, you feel more connected to God in a way that you maybe didn't before? I've always relied on the Holy Spirit. Okay. And relying on the Holy Spirit has always been a part of my priesthood. Okay. Even before I preach, I pray to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to think that I'm connected sure. to that way. And I, in, and I don't, I'm not 
super aware of it. Like <laughs> I have to be, I have to be patient with it, and I have sure. to respond to it when, when the Holy Spirit knocks me alongside the head. <laughs> that must hurt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have bruises. <laughs> Uh, if you just joined us, we're talking to Father Dwayne Kaiser about his experience as a hospital chaplain. Um, so how has this ministry work affected your priesthood? Has it changed you as a priest? Has it? Uh, what has it done? I believe it has brought a fullness okay. of the priesthood to me, of appreciating what the priesthood is all about. Because I have no administrative responsibilities. Right. And so that's very freeing to be able to do uh, the sacraments and to administer those sacraments. Because I've done all of the sacraments in my ministry in the short two years that yeah. I've been here. Yeah, I've done weddings. I've done funerals. Mm-hmm. I have done baptisms mm-hmm. and uh, anointings. I've done them all. Yeah. Confirmations. Yep. I've done all seven sacraments. Yep. So... Except for the priesthood. Holy orders, yeah. The yeah. only one you can't That's see. the only one I haven't done, yes. I don't have that capacity. <laughs> Bishop's thinking right now, seven, huh? Seven, wow. Huh? Wow, he's got power. <laughs> I didn't even know I gave him that. <laughs> um, well, that's good to hear that it has uh, affected. Yeah. And actually, I feel like that kind of plays into where we are as a diocese right now, where we're reorganizing so many priests who will not have have the administrative uh, duties that they had before and step into a more ministerial role as you are and hopefully will also experience that in a different way, obviously not necessarily right. in hospital chaplaincy, but in different ways where they can be more uh, focused on the service and ministry portion. So I hope they can experience that too. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, have you noticed a particular or typical reaction from people when they're in being in the hospital or they're sick, they're thinking of especially when you come in? Like, is there you see lots of people who are in a very bad place when you come in, or are they all like, Oh, the priest is here, thank goodness? Or, you know, what do you see? It's a variety of okay. reactions. Okay. I, I have reactions of, Oh, Father, so good to see you. And I'll, then I get the opposite reaction of I'm I, I don't need anything. So you get the whole gamut. Yeah. But one of the things that I I realize in the hospital that there are no atheists in the hospital. <laughs> and I, that, that seems odd, but, you know, I, I did have somebody declare to me, oh, Father, I don't need anything. I'm an atheist. And I said, well, how about a blessing? And she goes, sure. So <laughs> that just tells me that, you know, deep inside everybody desires some connection yes. to the otherworldly. Right. And they reach out in different ways. And there are people that also are very angry. Yeah. And I just listen to it. Yeah. I just listen to where they're at and what's going on with them. Yeah. And that can be very challenging at times yeah. because it, it it's it can be very disconcerting for them to open up in that capacity. Yeah. Um and then it brings about tears. Sure. And I think people are afraid to express tears oh for sure you know they think that they see that as a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. and vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it is a sign of vulnerability i don't believe it's a sign of weakness okay i believe that tears are a sign of strength that's good to hear because you know people are always saying oh i'm so sorry for crying it's like no that's that's where you're at right 
you know, I, I, I tell people when they make a decision, I, you know, it's hard for them to sometimes make the decision. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell them, I said, whatever decision you make is the right decision. Right. And that just relieves a lot of pressure mm -hmm. and, uh, and a lot of stress within them. Right. Just knowing that no matter what decision they make, it's the right decision. Right. That's very freeing for them. Yeah. Do you find that you spend a lot of time also counseling families on, on what to do in certain uh, situations? I, I have, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, mostly the patient. Okay. On especially end-of-life issues. Sure. You know. Yeah, because that's kind of confusing. That is a huge issue for them. Yeah. They feel like if they're taken off a of life support that they're they're killing themselves. Right. Or they're killing mom and dad. Right. And I always, I tell them, I said, you know, God gives us the gift of life, but God has also given us the gift to sustain life mm -hmm. unnaturally. Right. And so all I said, I, I look at it, I said, all this equipment here and all these drugs over here are good, but they're not necessary. Right. Because this sustains life for to give you comfort. And once you take all this away, all of that will let that person go. Right. And I said, you can still do this because this is very ethical. Mm -hmm. This is very meaningful. Mm -hmm. But if you take all that away, it's still ethical and it's still meaningful. Right, right. But whatever decision you make is the right decision. Right. That just frees them up yep. to know, to make that, to make the decision they need to make. Yeah. And not the doctor, not the nurses or anybody else. Because sometimes, you know, doctors can be impatient. Yes. <laughs> and they come in and give you the facts. Mm -hmm. They're fact, you know, they're driven by facts. Right. And they say, well, you shouldn't do this. It's like, well, that's not the doctor's decision. Right. You know, right. the doctor is always there to sustain life. Right. And do no harm is right. their mission. And it's not that you're, you're not doing harm. You're just making a decision. Mm-hmm. And they always have it in their head for whatever reason that they have to keep life going no matter what. Right, right. Do everything I, possible. Right. And I don't know where that came from. Right, right. Um, but that's not the mission of the church. Right. The mission, the mission of the church is quality of life versus quantity. If you want mom or dad to have quality of life, that's more important. Mm -hmm. But if you want mom and dad to have quantity of life, that's okay too, but where's the quality? Right, right. You know, it has to be both in the same. Yeah, you know, Because we can keep people alive for yep. a long time. Yeah, we sure can. <laughs> with all kinds of equipment. Yeah. But does that sustain and does, is that quality of life right there? Right. That's what you have to ask. Yeah. Okay. And those are tough decisions for people yeah. to make. They are. Because they want grandma and grandpa to live forever. Yeah. And what I see is that the people who have a good, strong faith life and a good relationship with their parents, mm -hmm. it's easy for them to make the decision to let them go. Yeah. But for people who don't have a good relationship with their mother or father or because they're farther away mm -hmm. and at the hour of, of their death, they want them to live longer right. because they feel guilty about not being more present to their parents. That makes sense. Yeah. And I just tell them, I said, you had your quality of life with them. The times that you called them, the times that you've been with them, and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. that's quality. Right. You can remember that, and that you can take that with you no matter where you're at. Right, right. 
So it's it's not about being physically present, but you were spiritually and mentally present to your parents over the phone or the times that you came home. Yeah. That's right. And that that brings a lot of comfort to them, and they're able then to let go of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can see that you really are good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you you clearly are. Um, well, okay. I believe that it, it's important to explain. Yeah. You know all those things and allow people to to make their own decision. Yeah. Because it's not my decision to make. Right. I guide them in the right decision or in God's decision. Yes. And that is the right decision. Right. You know, uh, for example, I'll give you another example. Yeah. I know we're running no, short on time. No, go right ahead. Um, I had two people at the same time going through this situation mm-hmm. and uh, a terrible, terrible accident uh, where it brought them both to the hospital. Mm-hmm. One was Catholic, one was not, but they were both related by marriage. Oh, sure. And so I I sat down with, because one passed away earlier that day, and I sat down with this family and they wanted to keep him alive until after the first funeral. And I sat with him and I said, that is your decision because that's a right decision. Mm -hmm. But I said, now when you come back after that funeral, you're going to have to relive this all over again. Mm -hmm. And that pain is going to be even further. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be, I believe it's going to be worse. So is that what you want? I said, if that's what you want, that's fine. You're putting on hold the process Mm -hmm of uh, of uh, bereavement. Right. I said, why not start the bereavement process now and bring them all together? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you, you, you've made, you, you say your final farewell, say whatever you want to your dad. Right. Uh, but make whatever, again, and whatever decision you make, I'll support you. Right. And it is the right decision. And they, they ended up deciding to let him go. Sure. And the, in the end, they wrote me back and they said, thank you for supporting me and supporting us in making the decision that we needed to make. It's important to have guidance in those moments. Never been there before, you know? Exactly. Nobody has. Right. Right. It's new for everybody. Yeah. You know, because everybody dies different. Right. Right. You know, there's not. uh, There's no instruction manual. There's no instruction manual (laughs) of how to die. Right. And there's a no instruction manual of how to watch somebody die. Right. Yeah. And I can guarantee that a lot of people out there have never seen anybody die. Right. It's holy moments that you are part of. Yes. So uh, I'm glad it's you. You seem to be, like I said, very good at it and clearly get get a lot of uh, satisfaction. Probably isn't the right word. Um, I would call it. Holy moments. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. to call it, but it, it it's, it's it's the place where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right now. So it's my calling. Yeah. Right now. Yep. So exactly. thank you for being here. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so we didn't get to the master ceremonies stuff. So, but we are going to do another uh, interview with Father Kaiser and talk about his call to the priesthood. So if we have time in there, we can maybe do a little bit of that. Okay. So, perfect. But thanks for being here for this part. Oh, oh very very enjoyed it. Very much. Good. All right. If you haven't found us on social media yet. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at SF Diocese. You can also find all of these shows on uh, your favorite podcast uh, platform, Spotify, Stitcher, and I believe Apple Podcast. So check us out there. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.